Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It is episode number 83 and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And today we're going to be talking about Paprika, so to help us make sense of what we all have watched, we have Laura and Donovan from Melanin Gamers. Guys, welcome back to the show. You've been here a number of times and also this episode is your fault uh, I <laughs> so you have to be uh, here again <laughs> i i will not apologize i regret <laughs> mostly almost nothing but um i'm so glad that we've managed to convince you to watch so many of these films yes. yeah i'm just yeah. grateful to be here Same. once again to add to the confusion yeah exactly because well. <laughs> we we don't have answers we have uh, more confusion to add to the mix we should have got someone who has answers, so we made a mistake. <laughs> but no, thank you for uh, turning myself onto this because uh, you were with us for Perfect Blue, another of Satoshi Kon's work, which was a recommendation from you. So I feel we're getting into this pattern where you recommend something and then you come back on to answer for your your crimes, <laughs> and uh, and here we are. So yeah, should be a good good episode, uh, interesting discussion. Uh, so make sure that you subscribe to Story X Story. We are on Apple Podcasts on Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, you can always send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com. Drop them in our Discord or throw them at us on social media. We are at myamada on Twitter, at myamadatv on Instagram, or at Tazzy on both. So before we get started diving into Paprika, we are going to look at what's happening in the myamada universe. And I'm happy to say that the latest Mayamada manga series is done. It has been sent over to the printer and now it is just a waiting game. But I've done all I can, so it's it's with the printer now. But yeah, the story is done. It's been illustrated. Uh, it's long been uh, been written and all the pages are together. So very soon people will be able to get their hands on the latest Mayamada manga featuring the characters from series. So Through the Fog follows on from volume one of Sirius and it sees Blake and his team Supernova have to deal with a pandemic-like situation. In this case, it's a fog-based pandemic and it's a story looking at the positive outcomes and lessons that can still be had even in times like the ones we are all collectively living through. So it came as part of a, or as a result of a Kickstarter we did in 2020 uh, so yeah, Kickstarter backers, that will soon be on its way to you. Finally, very glad to sort of uh, get that to the people that made it possible. Uh, and we're also going to be working on new manga going into 2022, including uh, a story featuring Tazzy's character. So Tazzy has a character in a My Matter universe. Uh, we have a, an outline for a story there. Definitely more manga to come, but glad we've got uh, this one done uh, and going to print. Over in the gaming side of uh, of the brand, we have some activities for Studio 77 this month. We have an indie developer interview coming with Italian game designer Pietro Riva, uh, who's co-founded his own uh, studio, and we will be talking to him about his journey into video games, uh, gaming industry and culture in Italy, and uh, pretty sure some game design principles because i yeah he has a whole manifesto like i think literally has a manifesto on game design principles so we'll be getting into that 
Uh, we're also going to be returning to Roblox for our November games night. So we're going to be playing that at the end of the month. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitch to find out the exact date for that. You can also check out the highlights from our uh, previous games night game, including the first time we played Roblox. Uh, Identity V is coming soon, Fortnite, Rocket League. So as we do them and get the highlights together, you can see all the uh, all the fun that we had uh, live on stream. Uh, and then we cut out all the mistakes. So we try to, but there were so many because we tend not to be great at these games. So. So we just don't have the Pokemon Unite one up at all because that whole thing was mistake. I'm, I'm still I'm still on the fence as, as to whether I want to put that out, but I feel like we should. I feel I feel like the people need to need to see. If nothing else, it'll be a warning to the others. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that was that was an experience. Um, uh, so before we get to our main discussion, let's talk about what stories we've been enjoying this week. Uh, we're going to have a bit of a spoiler-free discussion about what stories everyone has been reading, watching, or playing. And we will start with our guests. So, yeah, Donovan, Laura, what have you been? So I've been putting Donovan through uh, <laughs> Halloween hell for the past month because uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's Halloween all month in October. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't last a day over here. It's a full month of... Uh... Halloween-based uh, TV shows, games, uh, games movies. movies, and yeah, I draw the line at food. We're, we're not eating pumpkins every day, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, ours has been like, um, it's been quite interesting, to be quite honest, because it's been, it's been horror-themed uh, as a basis, but mm -hmm. we've had such a range of different horror, yeah. horror sort of mediums to like go through sort of thing. So I've been enjoying more of like kind of, um, I don't know how to class them now, the kind of like classic horror, mm. um, really cult classics. Cult classic, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've been watching stuff like um, Wishmaster, which was really good, and, and super a, uh, underrated. Yeah, really underrated as well. And uh, Hellraiser, and um, mainly what what I've loved so much about those two uh, two shows mm. they're, they're essentially the same demons, kind of like. Um, demon shenanigans yeah demon shenanigans and, and holding humans to their sort of like uh, like hostage over yes. their like what morals or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but what stood out for me on on those two films is the practical effects like stories telling aside the practical effects are amazing um, it really takes me to like you know wanting to see more films done uh, uh, with more visual uh, visual sort of like creativity so instead of relying too much on CG mm -hmm. they they go back to using like puppets and they um so many gore effects yeah yeah, yeah. and physical <laughs> sort of gore effects and even stuff as basic as reverse shots like uh, <laughs> I know it sounds like quite cheesy but it, it's it's quite nice and quite wholesome to have and look mm -hmm. back on and in a way it makes it sort of like timeless so like uh there's an effect where they are oh my god I know this, I, I don't want to get too graphics, but it's pretty much a, a skeleton cracking out of a human being. Oh, and as it, I described it, it hatched. Yeah, it hatched uh, fr from a human and it looked, it looked really good. It yeah. did, don't get me wrong, it didn't look like super realistic, but for the effort that they put in, to say that they didn't throw in a computer, it looked amazing, it looked mm -hmm. wonderful. And another effect that really turned my eyes was um, literally like summoning, again, a, a corpse <laughs> from the ground up. 
but they must have had to make the um, the, the prop in stages sort of thing. And uh, I don't know, it just looked wonderful. It, it, it just looked amazing. I can't tell you much about the story. I, I was just flabbergasted with the effects that was going on. I'm glad that you've at least got something from this month because I've really <laughs> had to drag you kicking and screaming. So yeah. I'm glad you've enjoyed this, like the design of the film. Yes, yeah, but it's, it's a part of cinema that in a way I hope that you know, whether if it's indies or, or somebody like mm. a, like a cult sort of director goes back to and kind of tries to keep alive sort of thing. I love practical effects as well. Yeah. Like, And when they're done well, they're not necessarily making it look realistic, but making sure that it portray, portrays the thing that it's meant to portray, just it doesn't take away from it at all. It just adds to your like, enjoyment of it. We were saying the exact same thing where it's, you would never mistake it for real, but mm. the impact of it just hits different. Yeah. I, and I don't know if it's more astonishing to think like, it, like say if you, you know, if you watch Jurassic Park now, you know, it's, mm. it's a computer, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's not there, yeah. but still you can appreciate a, like a prop being the there and having actual scale and the, um, the, uh, you know, actor reacting to mm. it. It's more mm. genuine than just looking at a bit of space and whatnot. And it's, it's a bit of kitsch, you know what I mean? Even though even though tech gets better, you know, you can still look back at these cult classic films and think, oh, wow, like, look how far we've, we've come mm. from. Or like, well, that actually was convincing from, from back then. Mm. So I actually have a few things. And I was like, oh, let me put them in and then I'll just bring up the ones that, uh, but I'm just going to bring up more, bring up four things. So obviously I mentioned last, uh, on the last episode 81 uh, that i was playing until dawn which i can't remember exactly what i said about it but it's probably something along the lines of i hate that i'm playing in this game yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and i can't believe i'm now saying what i'm about to say but oh my god i love this game i had watched like little bits of people's playthroughs of it previously um i'd attempted to start it previously with a friend and it can go down well because I'm not very good with horror. I'm not good at, good with uh, games like this. And it is such a like psychological thriller, but the storyline is incredible and the twists are incredible. And the, the game mechanics of how they like tell this story is again, incredible. <laughs> it's just the way it takes you through it is I'm going to have to ask, did, did you have a moment where you had to stop the game to see if you can reload it? Because the, there were so many times on that game yeah. where I, like, dash for the disc tray to, like, eject it or mm -hmm. turn off the power to the PlayStation. Because so I'm, like, yeah, I'm like, no, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> Let me go no, back. No, <laughs> I actually uh, lived with lived with my consequences um, oh. so i actually had two moments where the controller bugged out and it wasn't even oh, my fault no no was that like one of those keep still moments yes oh, yeah and no. i was like i am dead still and it was like and um so i no i played through and then okay this is the craziest thing i went I finished it, mm. did not get desired outcomes, obviously, because there were situations where my controller bugged out and I mm. kind of ruined the, the points of that. I was like, I don't care anymore. I don't, <laughs> care. <laughs> I don't care what happens. And I made like some really risky choices and stuff. But then once I'd finished it, I sort of like analyzed what I'd done. And then it was like, now I want to go back to the chapter where it all started to crumble, which is quite near to the end, to be fair. Chapter seven or eight? 
it can all fall apart pretty pretty easily that late yeah. in the game. We just got finished yeah. playing it ourselves and oh, it was a rough one. Yeah. So like chapter eight and then was where my controller messed me up big time. And But then I went, once I finished it, I finished it on Saturday and I was like, oh my God, like that was so incredible. I really want to just like go back and try and get a different, different ending and went back to chapter eight and then continued from there and then you know corrected my mistakes that were just my mistakes and corrected the mistakes that were the controller's mistakes <laughs> no don't play if your controller is not fully charged because that is when oh, it that's, that's when that's when the the uh motion sensor starts to bug out is when your controller's dying i've noticed is a thing <laughs> that might have happened with me because i swear when i was when i was playing it um i knew i had to hold still and i was like still as a rock mm. and i swear mine was like drifting aside i didn't know what it was the crazy thing is i'd done one earlier on in a game and everyone was like wow like how calm you stayed considering you're such a scared like, i'm such a scared cat. <laughs> like i had my heart rate monitor as well you can see how crazy my heart oh, rate is so going crazy. and they're like I can't believe you stayed so like cool, like cool to keep that still. They were like, you are, it looked like you was frozen like on stream. And then the next one was when my controller had been like, the controller is dying. (laughs) And so I'm, I'm adamant because that's happened to me before with a a PS4 controller is when it's dying. Like some of the, it starts to just not (laughs) react well. (laughs) So, but yeah, no, I love, it's so good. It's such a it's such a well put together game. I just want I want yeah, I can't talk about what I want <laughs> I want from like a next one without spoiling, so I'm just gonna talk about the next thing that because <laughs> 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 we're getting close to spoilers. So I have been loving Funimation recently and just binging a ton of stuff on there. Um so I got through uh Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Which I think I have previously started watching because there's one episode and I was like, this episode seems really familiar. And I was like, no, I've definitely, there's either a, 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 another anime with this exact episode in. <laughs> <laughs> or I've actually started watching this series before and forgotten about it. Which is weird because it, it, I looked at the dates that when it came out and I was like, I swear I didn't really watch any anime that year or the next few years after so i don't know when i've watched it but somehow i did but i love it oh it's so sweet like basic plot it's about a dragon who becomes a maid for miss kobayashi <laughs> Solid <stuff. laughs> that's you know it's an anime it's got an anime storyline and it's basically like just there it's like the progress of the characters and how they're unlikely friendship helps them discover some things about themselves it's a good description without spoilers but it's absolutely like it's the sweetest thing also has like dragons in it it's like a slice of life with dragons honestly it doesn't i don't have a super high bar but that does meet all my expectations honestly (laughs) i highly recommend it um especially if you want something like super sweet to watch and just enjoy did you start watching this after Until Dawn? Uh, just out of interest. No, actually, I started watching it way before. Ah, 
I was going to say, I was wondering if you use this to cope with Until Dawn. <laughs> no, actually, I didn't really have... Uh, no, animal playing Animal Crossing was my coping mechanism for Until Dawn. So every time I played Until Dawn, I played a little bit of Animal Crossing before I went to bed, so I didn't have my <laughs> Um <laughs> And then I also watched the entirety of what is out of The Rising of Shield Hero, and I love this show so much that I'm mad that I binged it and didn't <laughs> spread it out a bit more because it's about this this character who becomes a shield hero and is kind of made into a bit of an outcast because apparently, like, if you play as, like, a shield character in an MMO, you're, uh, you're not as good as any of the other characters, like, a supporting character you know it's not great and then because he is the the shield hero he gets uh put down a lot um i try not to give away plot as well but it's yeah it's really cool and then uh sort of meets some characters that have a big impact on his life and he has on theirs and it's like how he's navigating by the way he's also in a world where he doesn't want to be Mm. Oh, so it's like an isekai. Yeah, yeah. So he's been transported and he doesn't want to be there, but he can't go home. So, yeah, and a lot of stuff happens. And, uh, but I just love, I love his character. And I love the other characters that he meets. Ah, uh, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> I just like can't want to talk about it. It does, sound, it. it does sound like he's, a, it's, it's one of, what is it, those um, subversions? Oh, subversions of expectations. Yeah. Of expectations. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of feeling like he's like, you know, the kind of, he's a superhero, but he's like the worst. And he gets, he's getting the rubbish team sort of thing. So like the bummy, bummy sidekicks and bummy characters. And is no. this how he turns? No, no, it's not. No. Actually, at first he doesn't even have a team. Oh, oh wow, God, that does suck. He's left on his own while the other heroes, there's three other heroes, Spear, Sword, and another one. <laughs> oh, bow, 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 bow. And um, they all look down on him and the whole, everyone looks down on him. Um, and then there's a whole thing that happens and then he just gets outcasted. And because of that, he then has trust issues. Because he's alone in this world that basically everyone's brandish him as a bad person and an outcast. Mm, I see. It's like a pretty interesting one. Yeah, no, I feel like I'm, I'm gonna have to check out a trailer. Definitely, it's got very much. It's got a lot of video game vibes, a lot of like fantasy, fantasy MMO vibes, um, but a really well done way. There's even like a whole skill tree on it. Skill tree in it, oh, and I just love it. And then that brings me on to the time I got reincarnated as a slime. There is a I've heard here. about that one. Yeah, <laughs> which is a very similar situation where it's someone getting transported to a different fantasy to a fantasy world, but this time as a slime, <laughs> <laughs> as the title says, the character got reincarnated as a slime, which you're like, what weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but again, very video gamey, another skill tree involved. I love the way it's done. This one has like a, I can't remember the term for it, but like a, the character's narrating the story. 
Oh, so like they're the ones giving like a framework to the story. Like they're their own narrator. Yeah, but in a really, I don't know, I really like how it's done. Like as if they're telling the story mm-hmm. to someone and then you're watching it. So it's all like kind of flashbacks. It's not, but the way that it's narrated is like this happened. So I don't know if that's got something to do with later on. Like I did think at one point I was like, wait a minute, I've just realised that everything's always about the past tense. Hmm. As if they're telling someone, but they're not. You're watching in real time. So I don't know if it has something to do with what, but I just love it. So it's this slight, it's in a world where um, they're monsters and then there's humans who sort of look down at monsters and think they're like violent things and should be slain and the monsters are allowed in some places but generally humans and monsters are separate even though monsters can talk but then a slime is like supposed to be like this really pathetic monster yeah if, if it's anything like uh, regular mmos it's the thing you farm outside of uh quest to get up a few levels don't you yeah um and but this slime is um, reincarnated from a human from a different world and has all his human memories, but has been reincarnated. And it's just like this, how do I say stuff without saying stuff? (laughs) (laughs) It does seem like there's a big fantasy theme with some of the stuff you've been watching recently, though. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm I'm loving it. Um, But yeah, like, so good. So good. They're so well-made as well. I think it's because they're not... It's because they're quite like nice paced as well and just like happy to watch. Like there's some cool fight scenes, but it's not like all fight scenes. It's not like you get yeah. some good slice of life in there too. Yeah, I'm gonna say some actual like character development. Cause it's some of those action shows can just get a bit e- exhausting with just fight, fight, fight. Like I didn't watch it too much, but Sword Art Online, uh, um that would that sounds like, you know, it's a video game, but it's a uh, fantasy world but every two minutes it was just like you know people fine all the mm. time and not much development and i hear overlord did a better job of that yeah yeah overlord was yeah that was a yeah. great one because it wasn't all about the environment but mm. about how this person is adapting to the people around that the, the, the sort characters. of world yeah, yeah yeah sort of thing but the slime one sounds really good in particular i think mm. i'd like to pick that up i definitely recommend it it's like got this weird it feels like it feels like you're you're following like some it feels like you're watching someone stream like an mmorpg and they're getting really good at it <laughs> or like just a, just an rpg and they're kind of like the main i don't know see the appeal yeah i'm a fan of the idea of a super powerful slime that sounds pretty <laughs> yeah. fun no it is incredible like just yeah definitely watch it it's amazing anyway <laughs> nigel what about you uh, so we've spoken before about like the idea of having your Steam library full of games that you don't play. I mean, I don't have a massive Steam library, but I do have games on there that I don't play. So recently I thought I'd uh, make some effort to change that. So I started Ori and the Blind Forest, which I've had on my list for at least a year uh, and just got started with. So I'm fairly early, but uh, I really like this game. And when I started it about... I don't know about a couple minutes in, and I was like, "I'm going to like this game." And uh, a couple hours in, I really like this game. But <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a game about an some kind of orphan character who has big potential, 
um like i said i'm fairly early still but that's this impression i'm getting and it's a kind of side scrolling platformer uh very visually stunning so it's got a very distinct bright art style the way your character moves is very fluid uh, and the way the character interacts with the world like pretty much attacking jumping all that uh, all that kind of platformy stuff it's very fluid very bright just a visually pleasing game and yeah it, it just it feels you know one of those games that just feels good to play i'm just like i'm enjoying playing this game so uh i've been playing that uh, i will report back when i eventually finish it uh, i feel it's not too big that i can't finish it but it might still take me a while so um been playing that enjoying that i have been reading avatar the last Bender. Uh, the Promise, which is a graphic novel which follows on from the ending of Avatar: The Last Airbender uh, series. Uh, so I got this when I I did a, a round of comic book shopping because uh, when I do workshops, I take some comic books into the workshops so like the kids can see like these are comics and these are different kind of comics. So I went to a comic book shop, picked up a bunch of things, saw Avatar on the shelf. I'm like, yep getting that as well that's for me that's not even for the kids <laughs> that is just for me uh, uh people who if you've been listening to this uh, show long enough you know a uh, big fan of avatar and this graphic novel is is really good it is like i say it picks up from where the show left off so after i mean spoiler alert for avatar the last airbender but he wins um i think <laughs> that's not a uh outrageous thing to say but yeah it just picks up for there so all the ramifications of that sort of dealing with his position as uh, as avatar you see all the other characters as well it it looks like the show it feels like the show if you close your eyes you can well i guess if you close your eyes you can't read it but you know what i mean you can hear the voices of the characters so it's just great for me because it just feels like the show it really feels like the show is just continued and it's got all the characters there and particularly it deals with, or at least this first, I think there are other volumes that follow on, which I'll definitely be tracking down uh, and getting. But this one deals with the relationship specifically around Aang and Zuko. Uh, and Zuko has always been a fascinating character for me. So, so to see some of the struggles that he goes through after the end of uh, of the series uh, is really cool. So really enjoying that. Highly recommend it if you like Avatar uh, any amount literally typing in as to where i can buy this right now because i had no idea this exists uh, existed no, either, and no. i definitely want to read that that sounds amazing yeah i highly recommend it zuko also fascinates me so yeah and he'll the way his story goes in this it, he'll because he, he always brings up his character and his character arc always brings up interesting questions mm. and the way he is and the way he deals with them is mm. just cool to watch or read in this case and you gotta love it when you get a series, you get something in a different medium released after a show, and it manages to keep the voice of the original yeah. material intact. That's so rare and so amazing to see. Yeah, for sure, and it, it really is. It really is like a, a continuation of the story. So, yeah, I need to pick up this. There are other volumes, and I'm tracking them down. I'm gonna have to search this before the end of the show because I want to know. Um, so yeah, I've been reading that and i've been watching so i've been playing reading watching kuroko's basketball which is an anime on netflix as you can imagine about a guy called kuroko 
and him playing basketball. So it's one of those titles that really does what it says on the tin. So the the NBA season started up again recently. Uh, so I've been in a I've been watching that and just in a basketball mindset. Uh, so I saw this come up like basketball anime. Why have I not watched this before? So started watching it. I I'm really liking it. I'm really liking it. And we were talking just before we started recording about how how much it goes into the sport of basketball. Uh, so I'm. I think just over halfway in the first season, so I'm still relatively early. But the yeah, I'm liking the the way it integrates like basketball and like sport of basketball onto a an anime kind of uh, format of we have this goal, we're gonna go for it, never give up kind of thing, and then and bosses and it, it introduces like the concept of bosses in a basketball framework, which is quite cool, and then. It also does the anime thing of bringing in the the underdog. And earlier in the year, I did a uh, I did a video virtual talk uh, about manga um, and animakers related, obviously. Uh, but manga and its power for inclusion and creativity. And one of the things that I talked about is the way that manga and anime connects with young people and a certain type of young people often because of the characters it shows. And this is such a good example that I wish I'd known at the time because this is a show about a guy who can't who can't play basketball or on the face of it so he's not the strongest his whole thing is he has no presence so there's a running joke of people just like he just turns up because people just don't see him and even when he's on the court like people just oh how did you get there where did you come from they just don't see him because he just has so little presence but he can pass like a uh, an absolute beast and he just he his thing is making others do their thing better uh, and those sort of characters, like being front and center, is such a different thing that that manga and anime uh, does. And this is such a good example because he's, he's just an average guy, but he has this skill that is not seen as necessarily. When you think basketball, you think shooting, you think dunks. He can't do none of that. <laughs> like he actually can't do none of that, but he can pass like no one's business. So yeah, really liking that. Yeah, because we were saying just before about also emmy and laura have also watched this and just kind of mm-hmm. dropped off it at some point <laughs> but we don't know why <laughs> it was it was good i really can't say that i wasn't enjoying it but like i kind of realized i'd not watched it in forever mm, yeah yeah i don't know if that's because i know because we were saying that maybe it's because we're not into the sport aspect quite I, as much I, I think for us well mm. me personally it's it's about pacing and i think my attention pan, span because i've picked up another classic um steins gate oh, and yeah. i love it i do really like it but i've never finished the first series i've never got past like episode mm. four just because of how much detail it goes into and you know how little patience i have unfortunately. Yeah. So, so i think like that's it but like maybe it's worth revisiting and, and trying so. again I, I, so I did wonder because it's interesting to hear that you liked it because I wasn't sure uh, if you were because I know I feel like it depends on how much you're into the sport. And as I was watching it, I was like, I'm I'm enjoying this, but is it? Am I enjoying this because it's, this is a good anime or mm-hmm. because I like basketball? Uh, I do feel it's a good anime, but I hear you on the pacing thing because there are moments it does go in depth on the mechanics of the sport and slows down moments which could be done in in an episode. And it sort of stretches them out. So it does that anime thing, which I'm not always a fan of. And it kind of explains, so it brings in a bunch of exposition to explain uh, different parts. But 
on the flip side, I'm like, I don't mind because because I, I like basketball, so I'm okay for it to go into uh, into this and talk mm-hmm. basketball. But I don't know how it works for like if you're not so into the sport itself. Yeah, I have to say I did enjoy it more than I enjoyed Haikyuu, which I just completely stopped and was like, I'm not even enjoying it. Whereas this was more like, I am enjoying it. I just never went back to it. It never like pulled me back to watch another episode, to, to watch the next episode. So I was like, oh, I'm watching something else. But yeah. But when you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, I'm, I forgot I forgot how much I love the characters. <laughs> I kind of want to see how they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm I'm gonna continue watching uh, at least as long as the basketball season is is on. But I like it from an anime perspective and because it's talking about a uh, sport that I also enjoy. I'm surprised I don't watch more sport anime. I don't know why not, but yeah. So there are all the stories that we've been enjoying. Um, so should we get into our main confusing discussion? <laughs> Let's try and make sense of this. Here we go. We are going to be talking about Paprika, the 2006 Japanese psychological thriller anime film directed by Satoshi Kon. So spoiler alert, we're going to be getting into as many of the details as we can figure out in this. Uh, We'll see how that goes. I will attempt to recap the story. But before I do that, let's get some quick overall impressions, starting with our guests and reason for us being here. Laura, Donovan, what did you both think about this film? I think we're super biased because we've made it quite clear how much we love um, these movies before. But I, we were talking about this actually because mm-hmm. we both really enjoyed the film, but we disagree how we feel about it in relation to the other Satoshi Kong films. Whereas I rate this one really highly, just below Perfect Blue. Yeah, Donovan doesn't um, think the same way. I'm, I- I, I love all all of Satoshi Kon's films, uh, and I would never say there's like a best or a worst, but for me, this is like what I least grab with, grapple mm-hmm. with in terms of like his work sort of thing. It's still amazing. It's still great, yeah. but I wouldn't hold it as high as, as, as what Laura does. I kind of get it though, because after we talked about it, I realized it was because I think this is the least accessible, despite yeah. the fact it's probably one of his uh, most valued and loved films. It's a really difficult one to jump in on because it's weird and it's very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> and I've watched it like yeah. four times now, and there's still stuff I'm like, I'm sorry, what, what? Yeah, where linked? W- what happened? Like with if you watch Perfect Blue again, you you can unravel different layers mm-hmm. and understand a lot more. But with this, I felt I was getting more and more confused <laughs> with with every revisit that I, I went with, sort of thing. All right, Tassie, what did you make of this? I don't think there's like a quick. No, (laughs) 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 summarize that in two sentences if you could. But um, I think rather than how, what I think of the film itself, I'm going to talk about how I feel about the concept of the film itself. As someone that has extremely weird, vivid dreams. Not this vivid, I bet. I hope. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Very weird and vivid dreams. Um, (laughs) I felt like it was a moment for me, how it affected. I was like, oh, someone made this. So clearly I'm not the ugly person (laughs) (laughs) who has like such a intense link with the dream world. And all I, all this film makes me think is how much I want this device 
to exist. Yes. Mm. So that I can, because I cannot explain to people my dreams or what it feels like to be in one of my dreams. And if I could just like link them into it and they could feel the realness that I feel when I'm dreaming and how like intense it is, then that would be pretty cool. Uh, and also the way that like paprika navigates the dream world is a lot like because there's like she's really good at like navigating the dream world and can control it and not so much control it but she can control herself in it rather than it happening to her but then there's that point where she's not able she's not in control i guess i related to that a lot is what i'm trying to say um (laughs) I related to this whole film so much, but it still made zero sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does do such a good job of that, of really portraying what it feels like to be in a dream where it's, uh, you know, where it's when you're in the dream, it makes a sort of sense to you. But the second you're awake and trying to process that or explain it, it's like, uh, never, yeah. well, this makes no sense. Uh, yeah, this makes no sense. I'm, I'm sure we'll touch upon it later on but like yeah definitely there's a whole lot of different like trigger effects you know like the classic like you're running down a a, an alleyway or just like a corridor and you sink into it the whole talking gibberish like (laughs) there's been times when when like laura you know sleep talks and i go (laughs) i go along with it i'm like yeah we'll 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 pick up the concrete tomorrow (laughs) oh my god i love those conversations with people But like that, yeah. I I could totally see how this they did the research with it. They they mm. they got so much of that in a medium. And um, besides Inception, I don't think there's been any, at least what I know of, any film or media that comes close in representing dreams. I mean, so I I would yeah we'll have to just like dig into this. So, but I will say I I love themes in in stories, and I, I love when stories are about something and this is clearly about something and Satoshi Kon has something to say that comes across in, uh, as I understand it, because I haven't seen all his work, but that comes across in, in his, in his work. So I like that this is about something, but then I'm also so confused <laughs> by a lot of it. So like as a film, I'm like, ah, there's a lot I don't necessarily get. And it's definitely one of those films that you have to, taken more than once more than four times apparently from, from yeah, uh, okay. Donovan, what Donovan is saying but yeah <laughs> just trying to understand it and I, I like I said we previously spoke about uh, Perfect Blue which at least from my perspective as a film I, I got better than I did this but I loved the the themes in this and just yeah just how like so, like I said someone's thought about this and like managed to put these themes into this film and say something through the characters i'm just like yeah i'm just impressed with how uh how it's been put together so i feel like we should dive into it uh let me attempt to do a recap of this story uh, i'm gonna do my best with these names but let's see if we can make some sense of this so uh the story takes us to the near future where a newly created device called the dc mini is being used to view people's dreams Dr. Atsuko Chiba begins using the machine to help psychiatric patients by assuming her dream world alter ego Paprika. Paprika counsels detective Toshimi Konakawa, who is plagued by recurring dream. DC Minis currently lacked access restrictions, allowing anyone to enter another person's dreams, which becomes a real problem when they are stolen. 
Dr. Toataro Shima, the chief of research department, goes on a nonsensical tirade and jumps through a window, nearly killing himself. Upon examining Shima's dream, a parade of random objects, Dr. Kosaku Tokita, inventor of the DC Mini, recognizes his assistant, Kai Himuro, confirming the suspicion that the theft was an inside job. When two other scientists fall victim to the DC Mini, the company's chairman, Dr. Shijiro Inui, bans use of the device. This fails to stop people from falling victim to the dream crazed parrot parade, including Tokita himself. Paprika and Shima discover that Himuru is only an empty shell. The real culprit is the chairman who believes he must protect dreams from technological advances with the help of another doctor, Moriro Osanai. Paprika is captured by the pair and Osani admits his love for Chiba, peeling away Paprika's skin to reveal Atsuko underneath. However, he is interrupted by an outraged Inui, at which point Konakawa enters the dream and escapes with Chiba back to his own recurring dream. Asanai gives chase and is shot by Konakawa, who takes control of the dream. The act kills Asanai's physical body in the real world. Dreams and reality begin to merge and reality starts to unravel as the dream parade gets out of control. Amidst the chaos, Takita, in the form of a giant robot, eats Chiba and prepares to, to do the same with Paprika. A ghostly apparition of Chiba appears and reveals she has been in love with Takita and has been repressing these emotions. As Chiba reconciles herself with the part of her that is Paprika, the chairman returns in the form of a giant humanoid nightmare and threatens to darken the world with his delusions. Paprika throws herself into Takita's body and a baby emerges from the robotic shell and consumes the chairman, aging into a fully grown combination of Chiba and Paprika as she does so, then fades away, ending the nightmare. In the final scene, Chiba sits at Takita's bedside as he wakes up. Later, Konakawa visits the website from Paprika's card earlier in the story and receives a message from Paprika. Atsuko will change her name to Takita and I suggest watching the movie Dreaming Kids. Konakawa enters a movie theater and purchases a ticket for Dreaming Kids. The end, sort of. So that was as best as I could... That so was good. Wrap up, wrap up that story. There's a lot else in there that we'll we'll get into. Why I uh, realized from putting together these notes that this is like Perfect Blue, another film that Satoshi Kon has adapted from an existing novel, which is interesting. So I don't know if he's done that with other works, but at least those two, he's like taking a, an idea from a novel and being able to adapt it for a different medium and bring out. Yeah, the, the the core themes of that novel. I don't know. I don't know if anyone has read the uh, original novel. I haven't, but it looks at the obviously it's the same or similar story, uh, and looks at the uh, the Freudian theory where dreams are ex- an expression of the subconscious or unconscious, uh, which is something that definitely came out. This idea of like the rep- either repressed or with Konakawa things that you haven't yet gone over and exploring that through the story. Uh, so that was interesting to me. And then in terms of the film itself, I was interested in like the the opening sequence uh, of a story, uh, particularly with films, because that really does set the tone. And this being a film all about dreams and the opening sequence being 
one long fever dream of, of some mm. kind. Uh, what did you all make of that that opening of the story? It's so iconic. I feel like every single review, every single analysis I've ever watched of Paprika opens with that se- that sequence just because of uh, how much of an amazing introduction it is to the world of Paprika. I mean, the music, I feel like, sticks out to most people who watch it and uh, really makes an impact. But yeah, the opening sequence is amazing just because of how absolutely crazy con goes with his yeah. editing it's it's very very flawless and yet so so it's it's weird how like snappy it is but you're still able to just keep up with with what is going on mm-hmm. do you know what kind of action is happening just and, about <laughs> just yeah. about yeah. <laughs> yeah it flows so well doesn't it like everything well for, for me at least like for me that sequence made sense at first Mm-hmm. when I didn't realize I was like trying to understand what was going on but sort of once we got to where he's in the cage in the circus and they're chasing him mm-hmm. and they're coming at him and then that's when I was like oh this is like this isn't a real world scenario this is this isn't this isn't real basically at that point I was like oh it's mm-hmm. some kind of something I don't know what but it's something <laughs> yeah that's pretty much and like I say setting the tone for the story it is yeah. the this is not real <laughs> but or, or is it and does he think it's real does yeah and then like the way it just flows into the next bit and like the this the film scenes like the Tarzan movement and the like he's on a train like uh, from some like assassin movie or whatever spy movie and then to him like chasing the the perp and seeing the victim and then him waking up and then Free could be in there like oh yeah it's the uh, like talking about the dream and I'm like that made sense yeah that's a dream yeah <laughs> like that, 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 that felt like a dream <laughs> fully fully definitely felt it. like a dream yeah <laughs> yeah and like Laura mentioned that the editing and how it yeah just the use of editing to flow to different sequences within that overall dream sequence is just when you talk about themes in the story like they come across in in the words and the images but like the editing just because it all paints the picture of what is going on what is reality or what am i looking at which is kind of the point of of mm-hmm. the work I, I think as a as a side note as well like even though it's in animation the people look fairly like human yeah like even though it's it's like japanese animation the, their eyes aren't super over exaggerated and i think it was the weight that sold it to me mm-hmm. you know when he's like chasing and he's running yeah, he, he yeah. just looks like a per it sounds weird that he looks like a person obviously the character has weight yeah yeah and i think that that sold it to me that extra little oomph as well mm-hmm. that sort of tricks the part of my brain in it I um I completely agree. I like the fact that the characters, aside from Paprika, who does have a bit of a, she's a literal uh, manic pixie dream girl, but <laughs> everybody else is quite realistic looking. Yeah. Like everyone looks quite grounded in reality. But the thing I quite liked about the opening is that um, seeing interviews with Satoshi Khan, he talks about that opening as him going a bit wild, basically. And he compares the relationships between uh, Dr. Chiba, Atsuko, and Paprika as also kind of like the relationship he has with himself. And he legitimately referred to this as Satoshi Kon as in himself, and then Hudlum Kon, which is just about the funniest thing I've heard him say. But yeah, he described it as this uh, like Hudlum version of himself who wants to go wild with the editing, wants to go wild with the story it is and be abstract and really push the boundaries. And he compared the relationship between those two characters to 
his making this film and wanting to uh, adhere to normal filmmaking techniques, but then also wanting to go a bit wild as well. Oh, okay. That's so interesting because there's moments where um, Chiba's like, not now, Paprika, like, or like, this isn't, this isn't your time. <laughs> and it's, you saying that, it's like, oh, are these little notes to himself? <laughs> like, <laughs> is that a moment where he had like an abstract idea and then was like, nah, not right, not the right place? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's like him within himself being like, no, okay, no, we need to calm down. We can't necessarily go crazy at this part. We need to keep focused on the on the story. Similar to Kojima and his games of like, I want to go all the way out there, but I need to make a game that we can sell. Or maybe that's probably someone else telling him we need to make a game <laughs> you can we can actually sell and like, you know, rein it in a little bit. That's interesting, no? Because, and like I say, this is clearly something where that comes from him, and something that he feels, and he put himself uh, into the work. Um, let's see if we can continue to make some sense of the work. So, I recapped some of what is in the story. There's a lot in there I didn't necessarily uh, mention because where where do you put it? But this is a story where you have this ability through this device, the DC Mini, to delve into the dreams of others. And because it's stolen and because there are no access, like the access uh, restrictions mm -hmm. on it. So someone's taking it. Uh, we find out it's chairman, but uh, early on in the story, someone's taking it. And then it's it becomes this idea of, one, we need to find out who and we need to get them back. We need to stop this. But then as dreams and reality, the lines between the two blur, it becomes about where, like, where do we draw the line between dreams and reality? Like, what did you get from this film? Like, just on certain, on the first watch, or even on the second, third. But what what stood out to you in terms of what this film was about? I think everyone goes into it and comes out of it with a huge amount of confusion initially, just because it is just it is just a very confusing film. And uh, it's he had Satoshi Kon had a really funny um, quote about it, saying that uh, he feels like film uh, in a modern sense be quite gentle on its audience and he made a conscious decision not to want to be that way and I kind of interpret that as he chose to be quite confusing he chose to not lay things out for the audience because he for whatever reason he wanted just to put what he wanted out there regardless of how the audience would feel about being confused but uh, my first watching because it was a good few years ago now I think I mostly took away from how much I enjoyed the visuals and the editing yeah. and how I liked a lot of the concepts it was putting forward, but I think it was that initial confusion that made me just really want to dive into it again and watch it again and again to try and really figure it out. And I think that just shows how well it portrays things like reality and fantasy and dreams, because that's kind of the feeling you come out of when you have dreams like that. You're like, you want to understand, but by its very nature, it's so confusing. Mm. I think there was like two sort of, things like themes that stood out to me or or points uh from the film that stood out to me um one of them was uh, um like being sort of like consumed by your own dreams and ambition and not considering how those would affect others and that's mainly from the chairman and his like idealistic mm -hmm. view like his ideals of what how 
the world should be and whatever with in terms of the technology being used for people's dreams and then ultimately using the technology that he is against anyway he kind of went back (laughs) (laughs) i was like you're doing exactly what you're saying you don't think people should do by doing that it's always the way yeah and then the other like and then so the other thing would would be um there's like the real theme of chiba not dreaming herself Mm -hmm. and not really like just giving into that craziness and yeah she she because she has the whole facade thing going going from like start to finish because we do see like loads of her people fall victim to the dream state talk rubbish and then become like fantastical beings and creatures but yeah it does feel like her and paprika always two separate identities like yeah like even the second time of me watching i'm like oh yeah it's the same person but like she she develops a lot to like i think separate herself from it yeah kind of in a in the opposite way of like you know the um skip a bit ahead with the spoilers but like the uh detective is kind of living his like the dream of of uh you know being a director Mm -hmm. with these constant shorts and movies in his head yeah but oh yeah yeah no you're completely right and uh, i feel like chiba in particular she's falling into the delusion of paprika because she doesn't i feel like she doesn't want to deal with uh situations herself like uh, again sorry spoilers um right at the end it's shown that she has feelings for takita and rather than actually try to deal with those feelings as chiba she often falls into the persona of Paprika, where she's more social, she's more bubbly, she's more engaging. So even though we don't really see a weak side of Chiba, I think it's right at the end when she's literally arguing with herself yeah. that it's a bit more obvious that, yeah, she's made the separation between these two parts of herself because, you know, even she is, uh, she's, you know, it's possible for her to fall into delusion mm. too. Yeah. And that's the point. There is that moment at that end in that bit where she kind of like, gives into the dream and then Paprika goes oh look she's actually dreaming as if to say like oh she's kind of just given into that and lent into the like to the dream and because dreams are so important as well like there's this sorry this whole thing about like dreams are us figuring out the stuff is our subconscious figuring out our daily lives and that's why a lot of times in your dreams there'll be things that you recognize or but they don't actually make sense because it's our subconscious way of like descrambling every processing everything and they don't make sense but that's what your dreams are there for to stretch the limits that's why i like konakawa because he because he's a character who isn't in the novel so he was created for the anime um but i like his role because he is so once they discover the dc minis are being stolen he's kind of brought into help them trace down who's responsible so he's a detective and it's his dreams that we see at the at the very beginning uh, and he his whole his whole thing just goes towards like the themes this idea like tazzy says this this unconscious thing that you're working through because he can't make sense of his dreams and even in that opening sequence there's something where i think he he recognizes someone in the dream mm-hmm. and he's like oh that person would never turn on me i don't understand why why they're there uh, and in, in that sequence where that he's in the hall and he's chasing he's chasing the, the perp and uh, he's, he's not quite sure kind of i guess who the victim is or 
or you know what's happening then and then you kind of see it unfold as the story goes on like why he's having those dreams and it's his mind working through those problems and then yeah it's just I, I, I really liked his role in that uh, in that story. Mm. There's a lot of really good moments with his character in particular. Like um, l- doing a little bit of research, there was a bunch of references I didn't initially catch. Like, um, do you remember the scene where uh, he is literally sitting in a in a in audience? Cinema. Yeah, in a, the chair as a director explaining cinema and filming yeah. Paprika. Yeah, to Paprika. Yeah, yeah. That was actually referencing. Um, a Japanese director, who was it now? It was um, Akira Kurosawa, I think, a really famous Japanese director. You said he did like Seven seven Samurai. That was it, yeah. A Russian man as well. And Russian man. And the funny thing is, he is quite well known for being influenced by Western styles. So the fact that when um, the detective's story finally ends, it ends with the most typical American (laughs) Hollywood ending uh, sunset girl in his arms yeah. uh, literally says the end yeah <laughs> it feels like a, a really sweet nod to um a director mm. Cohn probably really liked yeah and then with the dream itself so we see as they're trying to chase down the dc mini the the dream world and reality is merged and we have this like the parade the whole parade thing that uh, was really interesting to me because it just it didn't make on on the surface like it didn't make sense. It was so like nonsensical just seeing these these mix of um, sort of like Japanese cultural references, but also some like Western cultural references. And uh, it's just this like relentless. I didn't I wasn't even fully aware of it uh, at the time. I was only thinking back that it was just this relentless march throughout the film and even towards the end as it crashed into uh there was a space like the cinema space that uh paprika was in it just just non-stop <laughs> relentless <laughs> movement forward and everyone was getting caught up in it so I, it's mm. like what does that what does that say about this idea of like dreams and i don't even know but <laughs> that just that just caught me it's like this just relentless like how relentless yeah. it was and how it just sucked everything in and everyone's kind of like lost in the dream like people didn't realize like it no one really knew why they was a part of that parade. Like, yeah. it was just, once they were in it, they were in and they were like, oh, we're just going to the end. Yep. <laughs> Where was the end? I didn't, we're just going <laughs> to the end. <laughs> I really liked it when um, they, they barges into the uh, cinema room and uh, Paprika's confronting Takita and then she looks back to tell the detective to wake up. And the detective's got like a random mannequin in his arms. Yeah. And like, <laughs> he's like clearly already super into it. Yeah. It's like, wake up. Oh my God. How did you get sucked in this quickly? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It, it really, yeah, it really is mad. And usually when, when we do these like deep dives, we like the themes come at the end, but I feel because they're just so integral to this, we're just going to need to pull them up where they, where they fit. But because there was a, there was a moment where, I think it was a Japanese businessman and they were kind of, they were, they were happy, but then they were jumping off the building into the parade. Do you guys remember that? And like, yeah, such a good shot. What did it say? Let let the show begin or something. The old synchronized dive. It's like uh, synchronized swimmers. Mm. And then that last guy with the briefcase just, yeah, Yeah. it's such an amazing shot. And is there something around, uh, I think I've got it in the notes. I made a note somewhere about this, relentless positivity mm. thing that's going on yeah. in terms of like work or society because 
the parade was all happy. It's all bright colors. Everyone in there is is smiling. It just keeps on going. And is there something in that where this idea of just relentlessly being happy or pursuing mm. dreams and the problems that come when you just don't take a break from that? I think there is because whenever then because then um, obviously they show like the dream and then they show how things look in reality. And at the end, after they take down the chairman the shot they're like walking back and the shot actually shows it now that the dream's gone and it's chaos it looks like it looks like the aftermath of a superhero fight like there's cars everywhere and and it's like that that whole dream sequence actually did affect the real world even though the dreamy bits disappeared then left the aftermath and then obviously we always already had the seeing like the inside the inside the building that they work in i don't know what it's called oh like the <laughs> research facility yeah the facility so, yeah. when they all start losing their minds in there <laughs> and getting sucked <laughs> into the dream in there and they're all in like the they have to like strap them to the chairs or whatever and they're like god i don't know i can't remember what they're saying but they're like marching along and they're strapped in it and there's like injuries and everything because they're so focused and they're, they're trapped in the dream and they're just focused on and it's like actual gibberish because even as i was watching it because i i watched it with subtitles <laughs> and i think it was the, the first doctor uh, shima as he goes mad because he was the first one and the subtitle, I'm looking at the subtitle, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Like, are I these... just bad subtitles? Yeah, that like, was... <laughs> That's a pretty unique experience. Because yeah. the first few lines, I was like, oh, uh, some, something's gone on. But it was a sustained period of like just talking gibberish. I'm like, wait, are these subtitles just gone off? And then we, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. what's happened? Starts, and then he jumped out the window does, and was like, it okay. It does make sense at the start. It sounds like he's being like a bit. Like he's trying to make a comment without he's just being a bit like make an undercut comment because he's feeling it. He's like he's making emotions. Like I'm talking. And then sense. it just like <laughs> starts rolling into making like less and less sense. You're like I thought there was something that, with this. I thought this was like some kind of reference to something. Yeah. Or, and then it's <laughs> like wait, what? The, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and it just escalates so quickly. <laughs> We would joke about that every single time that um, the first time you watch it, you kind of just assume it's some kind of jargon. You kind of go along with it for like a few seconds. Then it's like, wait, I'm sorry, what? And I've watched so much anime where kind of gibberish English can make sense if Mm -hmm. given enough time. But like with with that, no, it was just like, no. Yeah. (laughs) And we watched it in the dub, so I can't even imagine how that (laughs) was. (laughs) yeah no subtitles like some someone has made a mistake somewhere and i need to <laughs> rewind and find a proper recording or something um actually so sticking with the doctor because i wanted to touch on like editing and uh we've mentioned it already but the way like satoshi Kon edits his stories and this one in particular because there's so there's different ways where he's blurring the lines between reality and dreams and using like matching images or different transitions that start off in one place but then take you to another particularly in that opening dream sequence uh, but there's another thing of like the order in which he shows things uh, and i was watching a video about him uh called editing space and time so i'll put a link to the notes but uh, i noticed it with that doctor when he jumped out the window because there was a sequence where 
he goes mad. I, I realize that these are the correct subtitles, so continue watching. And then he jumps out the window, but you don't see what happens to him. It cuts mm. to another uh, another thing. And it's only when they come back to re-watching his dream, now that he's in a hospital bed, that you then see what happened to him after he jumped out the window. So there's always this sense of, I'm going to say like unease, and it kind of, in a in a good way in a confusing way but in a, in a good intriguing engaging way where for me at least i always felt like i needed to i always felt i need to pay attention because what is being presented is not the, the normal order of things i need to pay attention because what i think is real might not be real the order that i think is coming might not come so i need to pay attention to just because of the way it's edited I think as well, the way that it's edited, oh, it's just, it's so dreamlike, but it um, <laughs> kind of adds to some of the messaging and some of what's being like put on sh- on, exactly. on screen because to to watch this, to get the the most understanding of this, you have to let go of your expectations and your, and you have to just go along with it you've got to stop having your mind try and fix it and you have to just go along for the ride which is kind of like what happens in a dream is like you have to you have to let go of your conscious thinking and mm. and um which i think is why it's a, it's, i don't find it too difficult to watch <laughs> you're already in that space my, yeah i give into my brain <laughs> my dreams all the time like just let my brain go, go okay you do you yeah. um, <laughs> I kind of feel like it goes back to what we were talking about before this when we were talking a bit about practical effects and how you can't mistake it for reality, but the message it gets across is more impactful because it can do more. I think Mm. that still applies to Paprika. I think it's one of those where it's like uh, the way that it's edited and the way that it's made, it's not necessarily realistic and it's not even always edited and put together in a way that makes a, a sense in sequence upon your first watching but it does more to get across the themes and get across the impact intended than if they'd, you know, if they'd done it in a uh, sequential or more sense um, kind oh, yeah. of format. No, you just wouldn't have the same impact. Like, And like one of my favorite moments to that point is where they, they're searching the house of the scientists they think has stolen the DC mini. So they're in the house and it's real, yeah. it's reality. But then I think Chiba notices the, the, the dream... <laughs> Doll that Himuro takes the form of. So she follows it downstairs and then she's just in some other space. So as she's navigating the the dream space, there's that point where she's on the she sees the the doll and she, it's just on the other side of a railing. So she grabs the hold of the railing to jump on the other side. And it turns out in reality, she's about to jump off the balcony. And it's like, whoa. So it's like we go from real to a bit of a dream to fully in a dream now we're back in reality and she's about to be another victim to jump out uh, of a high-rise building it's just like where are we (laughs) what is going on and um that bit also i really like that bit as well but then we take a nod back to it because we go to that actual place later on and that freaked me out when it went back i was like whoa yeah (laughs) Yeah, because it turns out it's an actual place that Takito had mentioned to oh Imuro. Imuro before um, and then so they go back to it and then she the doll is there on the stairs yes. and uh, she goes 
And then she has to jump over the railing, but this time she like checks. She's like, this is real, right? <laughs> like it's kind of that moment. And like you see it and you're not sure at that point as well. You're like, is this real? Yeah. Hold that to that railing, like, because I don't know. And the funny thing is that point where she is going down, went back uh, the original bit um, and she is in the apartment and she goes through the door and, and I was like, yeah, this makes complete sense. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> question like, wait, why, how did she open up this door into this abandoned theme park or whatever? <laughs> no, like when I was watching, I was like, yeah, this makes sense. My brain didn't go like, this doesn't make, it was just like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so I really felt in. like I was... Yeah along for the ride of this movie yeah, is oh there's so many moments and and the way the characters also sort of represent the themes and like the uh, like the balances that different characters were facing so we talked about the balance between uh chiba the sort of straight no emotion career woman and then paprika her alter ego who was her dream self uh, vibrant charismatic just a free spirit just like going all over uh, and then it's her having that balance or not even because there is no balance i guess it's she's she's separated herself out like we said it's different people and then there's there's other uh, kind of balances and that um taquita is an interesting one because they always make the it's not a joke but it's a comment people make of him being a child so he's a genius mm. he's the inventor of the dc mini but he is a described as like a childish genius, and it's that balance between like the the genius, the the adult, and the the child that he is. And then we've got like Konakawa, who like he's just like fascinating to me because it's that balance between. Because I feel of all the characters, he's the one. I mean, it's, it, you can all relate it to like the world we live in uh, today. But the idea of the the career versus the dream, like I understand that, like. I had this dream, not me, I'm talking about the, the character, but he's saying like, I had this dream and I left it because I chose to go and get a quote unquote real job. And, and I've never gotten over that. And that's why he's having those dreams. I love the outcome though, because it was kind of like, you are living the dream though. You're, <sighs> what was the line that is said at the end that was, from his friend like was reality from fiction mm. or something fiction and reality or something because his friend pointed out to him that he was living the ending of their movie he became a detective just so it never really had to end yeah yeah which i thought was a like incredibly beautiful and b like maybe the dream you thought you had doesn't always look how you think it does yeah which is one of the things i got sort of like from that because he had that real, I guess, like regret, essentially. So that real regret, and and his dreams were about him killing or thinking he's killing his his friend because he sort of killed the uh, the dream. And I like how they worked in the the symbolism because the the number seventeen was in there when he was in the uh, the lift and oh, yeah. just going up, and it like stopped at seventeen. It's like seventeen, and then it seventeen, all seventeen. Into seventeen, yeah. Uh, and then he explained like that was the point where he made the decision, and yeah, just. All the all the things was wrapped up in that uh, in that character. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there's any other characters that stood out to people. I didn't like the character in the film because of what he did, but I like what he represented in that the chairman who it was almost like a contradiction or a sort of 
there's a bit of hypocrisy there but him believing that technology should stop at a point so he didn't want or he said he didn't want technology interfering in dreams and it was always interesting when he was on screen i don't know if it was literally every time but there was the moments where you'd see him and he'd be surrounded by nature so he'd yeah. be among uh, trees and it's everywhere whole, yeah and it's like his thing is like no technology or so he said uh, and how that was how his character and his themes was represented the chairman of a technology company as well i know yeah <laughs> yeah you said like why is this guy the chairman of this company yeah yeah i was like why is he in it but i did like the one scene though do you know when the main characters were all walking and talking and he just like he must have timed his wheelchair to like go at the same time as them <laughs> from behind the bushes and be like oh yeah, yeah. just come in at the right moment just to like yeah. just to deliver a one-liner and yeah. then uh, but uh, yeah, I see the value in his watching it like a second time. I see the value in what he's trying to say. Uh, like, you know, if we discover how we can get into our dreams, even though we can manipulate it to figure out what is holding us back in our anxieties and our subconscious, we're also understanding the last sort of bastion of, of like, uh, I, I don't know how to phrase this right, but imagination, yeah. self, self-acknowledgement. You wrote, you're the only zone where definitely nobody Sacred else can. Realm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I can see what he's saying there. But like, is it more like or he wants ultimate domain so only he can have that device and nobody else so he can rule over everybody else and make his own new uh, utopia? Uh, you know, is he held back because he, you know, he's, even though he's got all this power, chairman of, of, of this mega corporation, you know, he can't walk, you know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's basic freedom for, for any human, you know, to go anywhere and do anything that they want sort of thing. So yeah, I can see the value in, in, in his character. Don't like him, of course. No, still, definitely not. <laughs> it's a very interesting one. Yeah. Absolutely. I thought their colleague, I don't know his name, Oh, Sinai? Uh, yeah, yeah, Sinai. I noted down, he's what happens when you give a, the wrong people a bit too much power, or just a little <laughs> bit of power. <laughs> that guy. His, his character was interesting, because he obviously had feelings for, for Chiba, but also I, f- I feel like he had his suspicions that she had feelings for Takita, and was ultimately jealous of their closeness. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, how can I, how can I, I don't even, there's just these little moments that made me, I can't really, I can't really pinpoint them now, but I remember in the moment at the ending of when, when Chiba finally sort of like gives into her feelings and acknowledges them, I remember being like, oh my God, loads of actions his character has done make so much sense now. Mm-hmm. He's constantly like picking at Takita's flaws, and I know they all do, but the way he does it is like in a different way. I don't know how to explain it. I will have to go back and watch it again. But it was just this this thing, subtle thing. Kind of like he for me, I because I thought he was going to be like the uh, you know the the secondary backup sort of best friend like mm-hmm. character. I mean, we saw him save her uh, from diving Chiba. off the edge. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And was it because he feels like her her actual partner partner's unworthy because he's childlike, he's huge, and yeah. he's always goofy, you know, mm. was he more jealous of that and I don't know, wanting to self-insert himself or yeah, something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because yeah, he always positioned himself as well as like this put-together character mm. that knows. And then even in the scene where he it, they're in the dream world and he does 
that weird thing. <laughs> yeah. He, he makes a comment on it and he makes a comment on him being, look at me and all this power. And then it turns out he's got false power. But why do you not acknowledge me to be smart? And yeah. What's quite interesting about Os and I is that uh, you mentioned earlier that it's based off a book and I did read it a few years back. It's been a, it's been a minute, honestly, so I don't remember all the details, but <clears throat> one thing it does do is go into more detail on Os and I's character and you, it kind of just um, solidifies what it suggests in the film that he's a deeply, deeply insecure person who, despite the fact he has a lot of positives about him, uh, you can't really tell in the animation, but he's described in the book as being unbelievably beautiful. Like he's he's like a, a very traditionally um, attractive, handsome person. And he's also intelligent and he's also got a good position within the company, but he's absolutely overtaken by the fact that Chiba, who he considers his equal, has no interest in him, either as a partner. Uh, it is instead interested in Takita, who he sees as something, you know, completely ridiculous because as, as Don just said, he's, He's huge, he's childish, he's goofs up, he makes mistakes. So he's intensely jealous of Takita and, you know, wants Chiba and does not understand why she doesn't return his feelings. So he kind of goes into a bit more detail in the book. But yeah, he's essentially just a deeply, deeply insecure person. And he latches onto the chairman to try be more important and be more recognized. Right, okay. Because yeah, the, the, the Chiba-Takita relationship or at least for me, it wasn't necessarily front and center. There, there were like moments between them. Like I think Takita's was like the only one who, who called her Atsuko, and there was certain moments where it's like she, for all her sort of mask, uh, masking in the real world, she let it slip around him where she didn't with any others. And then at the end, but it's interesting to hear that perspective of um, Os and I. Because yeah, I, I got that sense from him that he's he's that guy. Like you, you don't want to give that person power. And I do. I think the animation done a a decent job at showing that he's supposed to be like the the handsome one. Because how he's drawn compared to the others is like he doesn't have as much like shadows and and um, that contrast is not there as much. It's kind of got like a Kendall. He's yeah. A bit, yeah. And, and even like the way he's put together, like the suit and everything, just it very much was like, okay, he's supposed to be like the pre boy. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely got that uh, from him. And then just touching on uh, Paprika uh, for a moment, and again, going to, uh, to themes, uh, there was this line where she says to Konakawa during their virtual date in that bar. Uh, she says, I, I bet you've never thought about it. The internet and dreams are similar. They are both areas where the repressed conscious mind escapes. Uh, and that kind of links to Austin and I as well, because that's very much what he does. But in terms of what Satoshi Kon is, is saying through his, his work, it, it's kind of like that as well. The idea of like who we are in the dream world, in the internet world is what come is is where the repressed conscious mind escapes like you say just goes goes free and, and does whatever it it does is that space and again i don't know what he's saying about it because it sort of spills over it blurs into into reality it messes up reality even though you don't realize it i guess that's what he's trying to say just figure it out there you go continue <laughs> <laughs> very relevant with uh, a lot of oh my i feel that's always re relevant with 
modern technology growing. <laughs> I feel like every, um, everything is. I feel like, like his films are like Black Mirror episodes, but mm. anime films. <laughs> like... <laughs> that same kind of like warning not so much warning but questioning of like what happens when these things are out of control and not checked right yeah and again that relentless the i go back to the parade that when that relentlessness of of it's not checked it just keeps going Mm. it it consumes uh all things around it and that's not a good thing it doesn't go to a good place and you don't consider the the consequences because there's that point when Takita finally sort of realizes or finally sort of thinks about, because so far he's just very much been like, no, like this is such a great invention. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? Like constantly mm-hmm. and not considering the repercussions of that. And then he sort of like has that moment where he thinks about it and is like, I need to take responsibility. Kind of still doesn't fully think through but he he does try and take some responsibility and realizes that oh okay maybe when i am inventing that i need to consider not just my view which is a very childish view because there's a whole thing about there not being access restrictions yeah (laughs) and I, i guess it's this idea again you know, being sort of relev- speaking of relevant things to today's world of of inventors creating something and not considering that it could be used for evil. Looking at you, Facebook, but uh, <laughs> others as well. I just <laughs> having this idea that no, 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 it, it's it's fine. It's the good will come out of it, and just putting it out and not putting the restrictions on it that you need because in the wrong hands you will get a, a random parade running through, your, <laughs> running through your streets. I don't know, make of that what you will. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, meta, I should have said meta. Uh, anywho, <laughs> um, so we touched on a lot of themes. I want to pull out uh, a few things that I think we've we've covered, but just that I found interesting that the uh, Konakawa character and this idea of lost dreams and him representing the point of where your your dreams your aspirational dreams as a uh, say as a child as a you know, younger person maybe without all the responsibilities of of life yet having these aspirational dreams and that point at where you then you stop you say actually no i can't do all that and like even i mean, like Tazi, we were talking about this earlier today about this idea of it's like i'm gonna I'm going to almost self-censor myself and not go the the dream route, not follow uh, my passion. And for him, that kind of manifests in in his hatred of film because when he's with Paprika and, you know, she suggests go going to see a film, he just, I, I hate films. And again, I, I recognize that that character that I, I couldn't make it work and now I resent the thing, not because I don't like film, because I couldn't follow what um i love doing which is just uh, a sad thing really definitely i think this um just on that note it reminds me of a book uh, big magic forgot the author's name i'm sorry really bad at that but uh this idea of like so we're in a world where everything's about following your dreams and i am also someone that very much believes in that but it doesn't always mean that you do your dream as your job so and I feel like with this and what happens with his character is that he 
because he couldn't follow his dream as a career path, that he's had that resentment and then not even allowed himself to enjoy it just as a passion. Like, and we see that when he does go into the like director mode uh, in his dream, um, in the dream world. And it's like, he he's not allowing himself to even enjoy it as a passion and as a film and as a passion and as a hobby. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so then when he does, then when he does get over it and he, he recognises it and realises that these repeated dreams is because he's not even allowing himself to to follow that dream in any capacity. He's just completely shutting it down and shutting it off. Yeah, no, that, that is true. And it, yeah, it just comes out as that, yeah, that hatred. It's, uh, yeah, so he's such an interesting character in, uh, in this story. Um, and then there's also this idea of our... So our real selves versus our dream selves, and it's very much in uh, seen in Paprika slash Chiba, where she essentially hides herself like a real self for work for society, uh, and it's it's a similar thing in um, in Perfect Blue, but a different perspective on it. Where in Perfect Blue, you had a there was a character who saw. I've forgotten the character's name now. Oh, uh, um, Mima? Not uh, Mima, the character who had the obsession with Mima. Oh, uh, Rumi? The other character, the characters you thought. <laughs> we're going to get there. Oh. The, the, the creepy character who we thought was the... Oh, oh, what's oh. stalky guy? Oh, God, Mini- that guy. Uh, the, yeah, I know who you mean. Um, Is that Mimina? Mimima? Mim- Mamana, something is... It sounds like mania. Um... Damn it. Mamania, Mamania. Mamania. Okay, mm-hmm. there we go. Mamania. So <laughs> <laughs> we got there. We got there. Um, where he has this perception. So in that film, like for me, that was a a different take on a similar thing of who we th- who who we think this person is, so who he thought the the person uh Mima is in her character. Uh and in Paprika, we have the this is who I feel I need to be in this society. Mm. Uh, and we see that where, you know, this concept of bringing your whole self to work, like this idea that you might not be who you are in certain situations because you feel that's how you need to be to operate. Whereas in the dream, she's like, this is who I am, or at least this is who I'd like to be. So there's this whole idea in, in the film about, yeah, being who you think you should be in the real world and locking yourself up to a certain extent. Uh, and in the wider, the wider theme about... I mentioned like the internet with that uh, previous quote uh, and I feel Satoshi Kon has this overarching theme about sort of the line between cinema, media and reality. So going back to that parade, that just relentless parade that just sucks everything in, it's uh, there's an idea of, and like let me know what you think about this, this idea of sort of films are a way to escape, but it's like what happens if you spend too long in the, in that world, in that non-reality world, because uh, Chiba only like admitted this love that she has for Takita at the very end. So she had kind of, like I say, locked herself away, and it's only in this dream world that she was able to escape. But you spend too long in in that state, and you miss like reality, like what's happening uh, in in front of you. I feel that's quite a powerful thing to to get across. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a, a major theme of it, of mm. seeing people who 
went too far into that escapism and too yeah. far into the delusion and then you know became hollow and we couldn't escape from it and yeah i i feel one character we didn't see you didn't see any of them in, in reality but the um the lab assistant oh himaro yeah yeah, yeah. like absolutely nothing about him just the fact that he's so lost in his dream world you i think you only ever see him as a doll now that i think yeah. about it that's the only time you like you you, you ever sort of see it but you see um, him one picture of him in reality and that's it you see him on the um you see him asleep on the hospital bed. Oh, yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. Or actually, it's more of a coma. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a sleep. coma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess, like, on, like, you know, the media and the movie side of it, it's just like, yeah, if you're too much into, like, uh, you know, online and, and, and living in the online persona, you're just mm-hmm. going to be doing what he does and, and sleeping for reality and yeah. not missing out on making, like, human connection. And even though he's probably living his best fantasy being a doll mm-hmm. which nobody can understand i can't understand yeah. but like you know <laughs> but him, fantasy yeah yeah he's just he's he's the king of that fantasy but it's mm-hmm. it's not really and it's not enriching him and you become unreachable like example, yeah. just there, like oh, why would you want to be a doll i don't understand <laughs> but in going too far into your own fantasy and your own delusion you become just unreachable mm. for, for the people in your life who do care about you i mean like uh, takita he describes him as his best friend Mm-hmm. And he's clearly hurt by the fact that he's stolen the DC Mini and yeah. he's really quick to go, oh, he was just jealous of me because he was, clearly didn't really want to think about it because he was quite hurt by it. But um, yeah, yeah, Pimero lost himself to the del- delusion mm-hmm. and lost a good relationship he clearly had in real life because of it. Yeah, I did mention Facebook, but yeah, as uh, Facebook tries to get us into the, the metaverse, I feel, I feel we should remember that <laughs> <laughs> before it's too late. But is there, yeah, is there anything, I mean, there definitely is uh, other things, but is there anything else that we touch on that might have missed anything? It's only a really tiny little fact, but it's something I really enjoyed. Um, Do you know the radio club, the bar in which we see um, the detective and Paprika? The attendants at that bar are actually representations of Satoshi Kon and Yasutaka um, uh, Tsutsui, the original author of Paprika. So I just oh. loved the fact that they're, they're even voiced by them as well. And mm-hmm. I just loved the fact that they were both there as actual characters. And we watched the dub, so we I missed it first yeah, we time didn't get to, to hear the, the, the actual director and creator's voices, but mm-hmm. it's it's such an... I don't know if that's a nice sort of, you know, break... I don't know if it's classed as breaking the fourth wall to put yourself in that medium as... Because they were guiding, you know what I mean? Yeah. They were just bartenders who were guiding the main character as well, but they're... The creators themselves. I don't know. I thought it was a nice yeah. little extra touch that they. That was a nice touch. It. And I really liked those characters as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just like, yeah, they're kind of like the um, friendly NPC in a game that yeah. one NPC <laughs> that you just love. <laughs> the, the last scene as well just cracked me up when when the um, the robots chasing you know, the the crew down yeah. the road. At the last minute, they jump off, holding a sign <laughs> and blind it. <laughs> and when they they have that like they've got they've been injured and they've got their sling and mm-hmm. everything on. And I'm like, wait, aren't, aren't you virtual characters? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. That, yeah. They're just like so much. And I, I feel, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it, it, this has helped me process the, the, the thoughts I was thinking during that film. Uh, so I feel this has been helpful. I don't I know if we made much more yeah. sense <laughs> of the film, but. 
I, I can't tell you, like, me and Laura just looked at each other the first five minutes, like, boy, we, I think we threw you guys a big curveball. <laughs> like, I, mean, I think it's good that we did Perfect Blue first, yeah. at least for me, because, like I said, for me, I, I could follow the story of that and, I, and then taking all the surrealness and everything. Um, if I watched this first, yeah. oh, yeah, <laughs> that would be a different thing. At least, at least I was prepared for what I was getting into to a certain extent. I was like, why? I think the first thought I had when I was watching this is, why have I never watched this before? And I was like, wow, like as someone, like again, like I said, as someone who like has this weird link with the dream world and I just have like crazy, vivid, weird dreams that feel real. I'm like, I don't understand how I've never watched this. Like I know, I've, I've known the name Propika for how long? I never actually watched the film and I don't know why. I just, there was like one line in it that I loved. Oh my God, I can't even remember the line properly. Uh, I remembered it for so long, I should have actually just wrote it down. <laughs> Do you remember what scene it was from? Yeah, it's in the it's in that final sequence against the chairman, and it's some it's a comment on the name Paprika. Oh, and it's ah. like something like I was gonna say someone should add some spice or something like that. Yeah, maybe some add some paprika. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I, yeah, yeah, I remember because I was I was like because when I heard the name of the film, I was like, oh, obviously Paprika the spice, and I I remember thinking, oh, they acknowledged it in in the yeah. story, and I was like, that was brilliant. It was just the way that it fit per the line fit perfectly. It was so relevant to that scene, and yeah, I wanted to say earlier as well. I completely forgot um, was when we were talking about the how the film was edited and and the space and time and how we got left uh, not really knowing where the story was and it not being the next sequence that we expected because a lot of the sort of understanding of how dreams work is that they don't actually you don't actually like dream in a linear way mm. everything just happens <laughs> and your brain then adapts it to a linear but really you have a dream in like a few minutes <laughs> i don't know if that's the same for me because mine seemed to be like 10 year <laughs> film like my dreams could give marvel a run for their money <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's just in one night <laughs> tiny bit in the in the movie when it says right at the start um when she's describing how dreams work she's saying oh when you're in the later stages of REM uh, later on into your sleep cycle uh they're more like full movies whereas the yeah. ones right at the start when you first enter REM they're oh, more like, like trailers uh, yeah trailers mm -hmm. and short yeah, stories yeah and then they say because the because the DC mini can access the the deeper into REM could they at that point so it was yeah, it's quite quite cool. I want more of these like dream things. Uh, be nice. I feel like they help me understand my own brain. Yeah. <laughs> and why I like Satoshi Kon's work full stop because I feel like whatever his work is, it makes you reflect on something. Yeah. yeah. Whether your own personal experiences or reflect on what the heck did I just watch or you know how you what your personal take is on whatever yeah. the subject is. I feel like you always walk away with something to think about in yourself and mm. i even feel like paprika in itself is satoshi khan reflecting on himself and his own duality of you know satoshi khan versus hudlum khan yeah. which is, <laughs> it's like yourself versus the reality self that you perceive yeah, yeah. whereas what perfect blue is uh identity yeah and yourself and the other ones uh i'm gonna <laughs> 
pressure you guys to try a <laughs> Millennium Actress. Um, and even probably about the most grounded of them all is uh, Tokyo Godfathers, which oh. is which is kind of like how how family makes yourself sort of thing. That found family. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it as well. But yeah, they're they're great. It's just a wonderful series of films and and uh, bits of media that he made that makes you just. It's it's not just a, an experience watching it. It's something that you can take and, and apply to your own like sort of life sort of thing. It mm-hmm. it's those sort of like films and bits of media that I like that you know that leave you asking more questions and like make you want to go and watch it again, but under yeah. a sort of different light. Yeah, and I f- I feel that is guys the power of stories is it's the best stories you you're still thinking about them, still talking about them after. Mm-hmm they've ended and it, it makes you think how can this apply to my own life or the lives of those around me so yeah i'm all for that yeah there's the think that like the one thing that i really take away from paprika in particular though is uh you know with the ending where the detective goes into the cinema and you pan across yeah. the top seeing all of his other films you see tokyo godfathers perfect blue and the last one you see is oh, dreaming kids yeah. they didn't get to make exactly yeah. so that is um, we think is dreaming machine but obviously unfortunately Khan passed before that fully yeah. uh, was developed but i think it's almost beautiful how it reflects in the film of you know yeah it might not get finished this one might not get finished but it's still a beautiful thing that we get to experience mm-hmm. this film we get to experience uh you know, the detective got to experience that with his friend yeah. even if the film never got finished he still lived it out in his own way so yeah, I think there's a there's um a lot to be said about Paprika that I really enjoyed for the film, but also for what it makes you reflect on outside of watching it. No, definitely, and uh, yeah, so that is that was our attempt to make sense of uh, of the film and what we found from it. <laughs> Feel free to let us know your thoughts if you got something different, if you've seen something that uh, we haven't. You can always send us your feedback on this episode story discussion. Um, before we wrap for this episode. I want to make sure we get to this week's storytelling tip. Each time we do a deep dive on the podcast, I like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their stories. So this is a consideration from someone who also creates stories and likes to learn from the techniques or mistakes of others. So for this tip, I wanted to discuss creating transitions to develop your narrative. So this is about kind of about editing but I wanted to look at it from a comic perspective Uh, so looking at transitions in stories so a transition in any story is something that takes characters and the audience to a new location time or point of view so we're skipping periods of time and glossing over events that happen in between so you'll find that stories will miss out on a lot of unnecessary detail in the lives of these characters and transitions are a way to to help with that so you can get to the, the bits that are important. Um, so they are they're key when dealing with moving and still images uh, and can also help strengthen your story's themes. So we've talked about how Satoshi Kon makes effective use of editing to blur the lines between dream worlds and reality. And this is we see this clearly in the visuals within a frame, uh, but also in the way transitions happen. It's a whole other visual language that's going on, and it's just fascinating to see, even though uh, I might not understand 100% of it. Uh, I also know very little about editing, and our YouTube videos will tell you that. But transitions between scenes is something that I became more aware of uh, actually after reading The Killing Joke 
graphic novel where writer Alan Moore and artist Brian Bolland make really good use of transitions that match images across panels to create a deeper sense of immersion in the story. So in The Killing Joke, the themes are about Joker and Batman effectively being mirrors of each other. So using panels that mirror imagery throughout the comic reinforce the idea of Batman and the Joker being very similar characters. And we see matching scene transitions used a lot in Satoshi Kon's work. And in, in both cases and in different mediums, the visuals help strengthen the themes, even though it's not always immediately uh, apparent. So in Paprika, we have the themes of blurred lines between dream and reality. So we see a lot of match cuts, like in the opening dream sequence that we talked about, that sort of blur our own sense of what's real uh, and what's not. Uh, so it's all about creating some kind of rhythm for your story and how you want your audience to experience it. So we want to consider what's in the frame or the panel, if we're talking comics, uh, as well as how we move from one to the next, uh, whether it's moving images or still images. Uh, and another example that does well with both is in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. The director, Edgar Wright, is making really good use of transitions there. So having people or things entering or leaving frames in interesting or funny ways to reinforce the themes and the comic slash video game nature uh, of the story. So you'll see moments where scene transitions happen or a reverse shot is matched but in a different location. And the protagonist there, uh, Scott, feels like he's floating through life. And the film scene transitions help us as the audience have that same feeling as we move from one place to the to another and never quite settle. And I made an effort to implement this in in the My Mada manga Hot Lunch using interesting transitions from different panels from one sequence to another. So moving from flashbacks or using match cut, using objects to change location and show differences in the environment or even using like dialogue that links scenes as we move from one character's perspective uh, to another. So here are a few film scene transitions to consider when creating your comic story or any other story. So the first one is just a standard cutaway. So a shot that literally cuts away from the main action to show supporting information. And I feel this is something that manga and anime do well where they have shots or panels that show a sense of place. Uh, so we recently talked about the anime Your Name uh, and I was really intrigued at how it used kind of cutaways to show bits about the location and activities that happen. So we see things like the family sitting down for breakfast and you'll see shots of the breakfast being made and it really gives you that sense of place. Number two is the matching cut that I mentioned. So matching visuals uh, from one place to another is a great way to keep the momentum going and link different parts of your story thematically as well as visually. Uh, so this kind of technique can draw you into the story by blending different locations and also makes your audience more observant because I definitely felt myself paying extra attention in any Satoshi Kon film because if I blink, I feel I might miss something and not know what's happening. Um, and number three is the mirrored cut. So it's a technique that is purposely meant to highlight differences. So it can be a contrast between places, objects, or character actions and emotions. So in the film Us, the director 
Jordan Peele and editor Nicholas Monsoor make use of match cutting to show the contrast between Adelaide's family and their tethered doppelgangers. Uh, and that goes to the wider themes of the story around the privileged versus the dispossessed um, people. And last but not least, number four is a cross cut. So these are cuts that go back and forth between two shots that are happening at the same time in order to build up some scale or uh, tension. Um, so you can interweave panels together to build momentum towards a specific moment. So for example, if you've got two characters racing towards an unknown destination, cross cuts showing both of them making progress before re revealing the destination and the reaction of each. Uh, so this is just a thing to think about when putting your stories together. Think about what goes in the, the shot, the panel, uh, and how. So don't just have characters that are standing and delivering lines moment to moment. So you can do more with the medium, whichever medium you're working on. And that is the story tip for this episode. So uh, there will be a video about this at some point on YouTube. You can also send us your storytelling tips and we'll read them out on the show. So whether it's a comic, manga, game, book, or something else, feel free to send them through feedback at mymatter.com or join our Discord and let us know there. That's the tip for the episode. Uh, Tazzy, let's check in with our guests. So we're just going to find out a bit more about our guests and the things that they are up to at the moment. Uh, so Laura, Donovan, any projects at the moment? Um, so we have our one-on-one series still going strong. Mm -hmm. So if you're if you fancy learning something new and different, uh, it's it's a new series that we've uh, been creating and putting out there since the start of lockdown. And essentially, we reach out to different creatives from like across England, even in uh, America as well, to come and feature on MG uh, to showcase their skills and talents. So it can be anything from coding to uh, gardening, is yeah, gardening as well cooking uh, practical skills on, on that front with the 101 mm -hmm. and uh, we'd be doing that like every week and it's been amazing so far yeah. continuing mm -hmm. doing that and we also have the self-care sundays as well which is more on the well as it says self-care front of an things. introspective look on not just building up your skills but building your understanding how to look after yourself and yeah. how to uh use things like reflective skills to mm -hmm. really help you get through this collective experience yes. we've all been through but also learn some great stuff like yoga meditation yeah, knitting like that. it was knitting. crocheting was one of yep, them yeah, yeah a, a lot of stuff as well and even if you're not even like interested in picking it up or, or like you know carry on it's a good sort of break in, in everything yes. you know it's a good sort of way to start doing little things like yoga you know i've i've, I've picked it up and uh you know it's not all bad it's quite easy to do uh, and it's uh, good for your mind space and your head space as well. And also some working out and exercises as mm -hmm. well. Some little easy to follow things to do as well. So we've been doing that uh, over at the well, the MG channel. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We'll and Melanie Gamers has also, on, on more the stressful side of things, um, <laughs> Apex tournaments have been underway recently mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they have been incredibly intense. And oh my goodness, I didn't know people were so good at this game. Oh no, it's crazy. Terrifying. No, it's crazy. Yeah, I can't keep up. Oh. <laughs> But then we've seen some amazing people getting involved with Melanie Gamers Apex mm -hmm. tournaments, and I know that there is quite a bit more in planning uh, over the next few months. Yeah, so. coming very soon because um, you know we we're doing some more quizzes. We just had the Halloween quiz as well, which mm -hmm. was quite fun, quite excellent, uh, and we're going to be celebrating another birthday 
as well um, as this moment we're still figuring it out. Planning is underway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully, we feature on this podcast again. We could we could uh, talk about what we did for the we'll uh, update. Yeah, the update event. If we uh, <laughs> didn't confuse you guys too much with uh, the stuff we're, we're asking you to watch. Um, <laughs> but no, everything's going great. We started to do some more in real life events as well with just mm-hmm. an M- MCM in London, and we're looking to do some more. To sort of get you get getting people back out and used to like you know coming out meeting up Seeing and people face to face yeah again. yeah exactly and and just you know letting people know that we're here we are people who do front stuff front facing but also do stuff online as well mm-hmm. um, so yeah I mean like if I could quickly throw in a quick plug please check us out over at the Melanin Gamers website it's yes. melanindegamers.com. you know we're on Instagram we're on Twitter YouTube and recently TikTok as well so you won't find. Us, us dancing, but you'll no. see uh, uh, Cravely Anted leader, you know, doing her thing on on that front as well. So please check us out when you have a hot and minute. She would do better at that than any of us, frankly. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I think it's for the best. Oh, no, that sounds great. Yeah, the series that you've sort of started up. I have seen the impact that they've been making. Hmm. See, like the tweets of everyone enjoying it and stuff. So, yeah, you know, we're just we're just trying to put some a little bit different out there. You know, we're just trying to reach the creators who you know themselves want to do something but might not have mm-hmm. the platform to just to showcase themselves or or even do it sort of thing. Yeah, um, and the gamers is very much equally a platform for people to put themselves out there, but also for others to come and learn from those experiences, mm. learn skills, and just be part of a wonderful community, yeah. just to game together when it comes yeah. down to it. I mean, because we always game like with each mm. other, and we always like we've got the stream, uh, uh, the stream team always like demoing games and stuff like that. But you know, we thought we'd take a little bit of a break and do just something different for a little bit yes. as well. Yeah, thank you, and we'll put um, the uh, links of where to find you in the show notes. Cool. Yeah, thank you both for joining us and continuing to confuse us with your uh, film <laughs> suggestions. We appreciate it. No, thank you so much. And uh, as we promised, if uh, if you want to be more confused, then please check out uh, Tokyo Godfather's... Yeah, uh, Paranoia Agent. Yes. But to be fair, we were just thinking that after Paprika, nothing's quite as intense no. as that. Oh, so. no, yeah, I feel like I can do anything now. <laughs> <laughs> been awesome so thank you so much yeah. for entertaining us talking about confusing yeah. things yet again well thanks again for having us on this wonderful platform and letting us you know dive into into films more and discussing you know our own sort of like thoughts and feelings on different pieces of media and whatnot it's, it's just great to be somewhere you know where you can talk about media intersect and and hear from other specialists you know what they think or thought about it because you know there's nothing more wasteful than seeing something and then just being like all right that's done on to the next yeah one. so it's amazing thank you to guys. talk about these things no i appreciate it that's the kind of thing i can clip and uh, use for my own self-promotion later down the line so thank you. <laughs> um so if, you, if you've also enjoyed this episode of story x story make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss uh, another chance for people to come and share their opinions on different films and stories uh, also give us a rating and review on apple Podcasts, which helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions and don't forget to check out our own stories on the my matter website including the new new manga series through the fog which has just finished its imprint and is coming very soon we also have a number of other titles you can see at mymatter.com forward slash manga you can also check out the gamepad discord uh, and our studio 77 membership for exclusive access to gamepad events and content from the maya 
Matter universe. Uh, here, we release new episodes of the podcast on Thursdays, and those include creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture, whether they make sense or not. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So until next time, thank you for tuning in. Uh, We'll see you soon. Stay safe. And remember, uh, dreams are meant to stay inside your head. Very important that they stay (laughs) inside your head. Uh, Take care, everyone. (laughs) 